his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Elliot Payne is the uh, president of the Minneapolis City Council, newly elected, and he is uh, joining the Adam and Jordana show for the first time since that happened. We welcome uh, Mr. Payne on the uh, John Schuster Colwell Banker Hotline. Thank you so much for the time, sir, on this morning. I played a clip in our previous segment, but I want to play it again, and then I have a question for you after we hear this. This is a clip from a recent meeting uh, of the Minneapolis City Council. Okay, that's just a snippet, Elliot, I'm sure, of many, many hours of city council meetings. But when I hear that, my question is, boy, that sure doesn't seem very, very peaceful and very uh, orderly. Productive. And I wonder how anything gets done with a body that's going at itself like that. What's your answer to that? Because I know this is now a topic of conversation we're having. Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. And you know, that clip obviously doesn't show the best of what city council has to offer our residents. And I think we have to be clear in saying that really plainly. Um, But that clip also doesn't reflect the majority of our meetings. The majority of our meetings are very, um, one might say boring (laughs) even. Uh, And we agree on so many things on city council. Now, that clip is from a meeting a few weeks back uh, talking about the city's response to the encampment crisis. And uh, a really important piece of context for your audience is that just the day before that committee meeting, uh, one of our larger encampments was getting evicted. And it was maybe the second or third time that same encampment was evicted. And that encampment is largely filled with Uh, Native relatives, uh, folks who have been struggling to find uh, stable living arrangements for many, many years, 
one could say since the founding of this country, they've been displaced from their land. And so um, also what's not shown in the little snippet of that clip was the beginning of Councilmember Vitaw sharing a very personal, vulnerable story about um, growing up with a mother who had struggled with substance use disorder and the kind of trauma she'd experienced with that. And so the topic of that day was a very, you know, intersectional and traumatic set of uh, circumstances. And I think things got out of hand. And so one of the thing, one of the roles of the chair, and you may have heard that in Chair Chavez in that, even just in that little clip, the chair is not the boss of the committee. The, the president is not the boss of city council. Our roles when we are chairing a meeting is to make sure that we're directing the conversation towards places that are productive and away from places that are contentious, not necessarily contentious, but are, are not going to get us to a better outcome. And so one of the things that led up to that was uh, Chair Chavez and the Public Health and Safety Committee you know, trying to redirect the conversation towards, you know, how are we going to start solving this crisis of homelessness in the city of Minneapolis? Uh, thank you again for joining us. We're speaking with City Council President Elliot Payne. How are you? What what I'm looking for is how can we get productive policy in Minneapolis out of a council that does seem, you know, disorganized? I know, and and I appreciate you saying most of your meetings are pretty boring, as I would imagine, hopefully city council meetings should be. It's the business of the city. You want to get stuff done. I'm glad to hear you say that. But let's take that that simple example. Mm -hmm. How does the city council uh, plan to deal with the uh, these encampments? So one thing that I'm really, really encouraged by is the work of council member Chavez, vice president Chuck Tai and council member Chowdhury. They're bringing forward three separate ordinances to directly address homelessness from a policy perspective. And one thing that it's always really clear to remind folks in Minneapolis, because this is so new, uh, we have a new government structure as of the 2021 election. We now have an executive mayor, legislative council. Prior to that, the city council was the the decision maker for the city, when, whether it came to the budget or to policy or to operations. All of that lied with the city council. That's now shifted to the mayor. Well, the, the, the most important components as we think about our homeless response has shifted exclusively to the mayor. So operations has been determined to be very much one of the executive functions. City council's function is policy. So those three ordinances are moving forward policy that will do a few things. First and foremost is add more transparency to the process of encampment evictions. Uh, these don't; these are not free. Uh, we, for the encampment that we were uh, discussing in that committee meeting that got heated, uh, Camp Nunukasi, uh we activated just about the entire th- third precinct, brought people uh, in on overtime on their days off, uh, and we had a massive show of force for this encampment eviction. That means that. There were not police officers available to respond to 911 calls because they were all staging uh, in preparation for the removal of uh, this encampment. Um, that costs the city not just a lot of money, but it costs the city in response times. It costs the city in, you know, putting more strain on our officers. And we know how short staffed we are there. 
Uh, There are a lot of costs associated with that. Uh, We should understand the true cost of that policy. So that's ordinance one is a a transparency and reporting. Uh, Policy two is a humane response. One of the things that made that meeting so heated is uh, that encampment was evicted in a way that didn't reflect the the written policies that existed uh, that the administration had provided, whether it was the amount of time that the residents had to get uh, a notice that they were going to be evicted to the opportunity for storage, all the way through to there was not clarity on the amount of shelter beds that were available. Uh, You know, some of the early numbers were higher in terms of the shelter bed capacity than were actually available on the day of eviction. So mm-hmm. when you evict people mm-hmm. who are not in a good living arrangement, nobody agrees that living outside is a good living arrangement. Right. We can't compare living outside to living indoors. We have to compare living outside uh, in a stable environment surrounded by people that you know versus living outside in an unstable environment surrounded by people that uh, you don't know might be dangerous, could be hostile to you. And so yeah. um, what we want to do is also for uh, for this is have a clear policy that the administration has to follow. Uh, and then we need to recognize that either we don't have enough shelter capacity to bring everybody indoors or the shelter capacity that we, that we do have is not meeting the really unique needs of the people who are living outside. Let me, and there's a lot of yeah, overlap let, let me just mental inter- health, substance yep. abuse, and the homelessness. Let me just interject. Uh, we're talking to Elliot Payne, president of the Minneapolis mm-hmm. City Council. That's just kind of one of the topics that we kind of launched yes. into. But mm-hmm. you just mentioned it there, too, about how so many police resources go to that and it leaves other parts of the city vulnerable. And if I'm a resident, taxpaying uh, resident of Minneapolis, living in South Minneapolis or wherever, and I'm concerned about whether or not a cop is going to show up if I need it, if they're all, and you mentioned it, the short staff, we have the, we've had the police chief on, Elliot, many times, and he talks about, he, obviously you're no stranger to this, the need that his call for more police officers on the street. And he feels like that he is running up against a roadblock when he goes before the city council. What, if we need more cops, especially to respond to not only homeless encampments, but anywhere else around the city, where's the commitment from the city council to do that? And I think a lot of people look at Minneapolis and wonder why that isn't happening. So the commitment from the city uh, council is that we want to have a really strong and structural response to public safety. That means not just having a strong police department that is staffed, it also means having uh, mental health responders that are fully staffed. It also means having a homeless response that doesn't require, you know, an entire precinct to be activated, but instead has deep relationship and coordination with the county and other service providers so that we're getting people on the ground, helping get people the help that they need. That's not a police department function. That should be a public health function. We don't have the capacity to do those things because it's not a thing that cities have historically really took, taken on. What the cities, what cities throughout many years have taken on is building up police departments and then asking them to solve every single social problem that we have. The first person that will tell you that police are not a good solution to homelessness will be police officers. They're, they, they, the last thing that they want to do is go and clean up an encampment you know, rummaging through people's personal belongings, you know, seeing people struggling with with addiction. Um, that's not how police officers want to spend their time. They want to be out um, helping folks who, you know, 
are worried about crime or worried about violence. Those are the kind of things that they should be responding or to. Or victims of crime. And I feel like, or you know, victims yeah. of crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Elliot, before, before we let you go, we in Minneapolis have a lot of problems. You guys have a big job. There are a lot of issues. I have to tell you how disappointed and disgusted I was that the city council's first order of business was a, a resolution on Israel that contains lies. Can you please explain to our listeners and to me, a Jewish citizen, a Zionist who lives in Minnesota, why the city council felt they needed to add not even a resolution that immediately demanded the release of the hostages up front, but why the city council spent so much time, the first order of business was to talk about Israel in a resolution filled with misinformation and lies. Well, as a self-identified Zionist, do you understand the difference between being a Zionist, being Jewish, and being Israeli? Probably better than most people. So at first I would push back and say, it did not have lies. We referenced everything in our um, in our resolution. I'll also say we absolutely called on uh, the re- release of hostages. I'll say that we also absolutely condemned uh, Hamas. And we have to separate out whether or not a city council has a voice in international politics and whether or not people agree with the ceasefire in, in Gaza. And so... If we take those two issues separately, uh, on the first, Minneapolis has a long tradition of doing resolutions on international issues, whether it's um, condemning the war in Iraq, condemning war in Iran, uh, you know, calling out atrocities in Sudan. There's a huge litany and body of work that the city council takes up. When we see injustice in the world, we use our voice at the local level to uplift our community who is either directly impacted by that by those atrocities or who want to see a voice that represents their pain so that's 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 on the first piece on the second piece conflict in israel is so sensitive it impacts so many people um the unique vulnerability of israel has always been part of its foundational beginning. And I think we have to decide, both on an individual level, but at a society level, when we see injustice in the world, should we be silent or should we speak out? I felt that I wanted to speak out when I saw the type of um, conflict. The way that conflict was being conducted did not sit well with me on a personal level. Now, could we spend time crafting the perfect language to get at all of the complexity and nuance of that conflict? We could spend that time doing that. I don't know that there's enough time and enough pages to really capture the entirety of that complexity. And so it's about a balance of speaking out when you see injustice in the world and not getting so stuck on the language that you can't you can't take action. And so I'm sorry, sir, that's a terrible answer. You you're saying you have misinformation in your resolution, but you don't have the time to fix it, yet you made it your number one priority. That is not an okay answer for me 
or I, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I'm just going to say me. I think this was such a shameful resolution. Uh, again, it did contain lies. It talks about a 75-year displacement of Palestinians, and a 56-year illegal military settler occupation of Gaza. There are no Israelis in Gaza and haven't been there for decades. There are lies in here. And the fact you didn't mention the hostages, which is what caused this conflict until the third to last line of the resolution. When you see injustice in the world, you don't even start with the injustice of how hundreds of people were kidnapped by a terrorist organization. You talk about a ceasefire in favor of a terrorist group. I know that we're out of time. I wanted to give you an opportunity to answer in a way that might be acceptable. But, sir, that was a terrible answer. And I completely disagree. And I feel that the people who represented the hostages at your city council meeting were disrespected. They were shouted down. You talk about keeping the peace in your organization and talking civilly. The people that I know that were there representing the hostages were not treated fairly. They were treated unsafe. We want a return of hostages and we will get a return with of that, hostages then. with the ceasefire. And we absolutely lead with returning the hostages. That is the point. You don't. The you, I'm looking at the resolution. You don't. You don't. We the call hostages on a aren't mentioned and the a return end. of hostages. That's what's most important. That's when I say we can't get we can't trip over ourselves when we are trying to lobby our federal officials. We need to make sure that we're clear in our language. We want a return of hostages and a, and a ceasefire. That 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 much is very clear in our resolution. And I think and I would hope that we both agree on those two items. We agree with the return of the hostages, and then there can be a ceasefire. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very That's much, Elliot. Place to stop. Elliot, yep. thank you very much. We appreciate it. Elliot Payne, uh, president of the uh, Minneapolis City Council. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.